My name's Adele Onyango and welcome to another episode of Legally Clueless. No, seriously, I have no clue what I'm doing, but I'm pretty sure I'm not the only one. Hey you, welcome to episode 87. Thank you so much for listening to this podcast. If you have been part of the Legally Clueless tribe since, I don't know, God knows when. (laughs) I really do appreciate you. If this is your first time listening to the podcast, welcome, welcome to the family. Remember to check us out on Instagram at Legally Clueless Podcast. If you love chit-chatting about stuff you hear on this podcast on Twitter, please use the hashtag Legally Clueless because I love jumping (laughs) into those conversations. Oh my God, today has just been such an interesting day. So I do my production and recording of these episodes on Sundays. It's generally a more silent day, or so I thought, (laughs) until I woke up and there was like a mosque nearby having, I don't know whether it was a party (laughs) Oh, what was happening? It was just a ruckus from 7 a.m. on a Sunday. (sighs) But it just reminded me of a mosque in Ngumo, which is an area in Nairobi that also had the same (laughs) madness. And this was way back, I think like maybe 12 years ago, because how I knew the story is my bus that I would use to go home from school, which is St. Mary's, used to use that route. So one of my friends lived in Gumo, and so he was telling me how, because this mosque kept making so much noise, the residents... (laughs) Okay, it's not a good thing, but... (laughs) Oh my God, forgive me for laughing, but the residents used to like organize and steal the speakers of the mosque. And let me tell you, back then when you were telling me that story, I didn't understand. But this morning at 7 a.m., I was like, I I can see how you can get to that point. I genuinely can. Sunday, 7 (laughs) a.m. However, at least they've stopped. But just a disclaimer in case they were on a break and they're starting up again. Yeah, that's happening in my neighborhood. Anyway, back to this episode. The story you're going to hear, I really enjoyed recording it. I've enjoyed editing it. Just because the particular storyteller is somebody that I've known for years, but I didn't know all of these things about him. I'm the only black kid in like the entire school. I remember I got an award for best foreign speaker of Africans. I was like, guys, you really just wanted to give the black guy an award. I found like very unique ways to avoid beatings. I remember even girls used to be tied to chairs and they would pour like collective rubbish of the school. They dump it on the girl. They throw eggs at her. Very white town. I remember I met one Nigerian guy on the street and he was just like, I counted us. We're 22. I got a job at an advertising agency. So I went to day one and I'm sitting down in his office and there's this voice in my head that's just like shouting get out i need to resign and he was like what so i sat in the car and i was like what have i done so i turned on the radio i swear to god someone was just i can't remember who it was or that was on the radio it was probably even you that was just like what's up my name is adele and coming up the next song is tkk but again still i don't have a job as i'm driving home i got a phone call from eric wainaina the real kagwe life was like still tough and so you're places and you're like a celebrity but you're broke so the storytelling is Kagwe and you'll hear his fascinating, insightful, inspiring story a little later in this episode on 100 African Stories. Before we get there, I just wanted to say thank you. Thank you so much for, I don't even know which word to describe this. Oh my God, I'm just going to say love, but I think it's something deeper than that. Love that you showed the previous episode. It was such a heavy episode for me to record 
the project was so heavy for me to be part of. The story was so hectic to record and also just for Alice, I'm pretty sure it was hard for her to share that story. And just to see so much goodwill from you wanting to stand by survivors, wanting to listen to survivors, wanting to end rape and sexual violence. It may seem like to you that you're doing such a small thing, reposting or starting a conversation on your channels or in your group circles, your family circles. It may seem like such a small thing for you, but trust you me. That's such a weird phrase, trust you me. But trust me, (laughs) it's so valued. It's so valued. So yeah, I just wanted to say thank you. So this week has just been a blur because of a lot of work. I've also stepped up a lot of work in terms of intentional healing. As I shared in the last episode due to the project that I was working on, I kind of like stepped up how often I speak to my therapist, which has been very helpful because I'm currently like experiencing some sleep issues, but I think we've found a solution, well, a short-term solution that should hopefully help me bridge back to my normal sleep cycles. But what I wanted to share that happened this week is, actually happened last night, Saturday evenings. What normally happens is Fal, who's my partner, he goes out, hangs out with his friends because he works Saturday mornings. And then in the evening, we kind of spend Saturday evenings together, either just like listening to music. So last night, I was just like burning my frankincense and I'd gotten new candles and just turned off all the lights. And we were just listening to music, vibing and just talking about life. Ah, it was such a good conversation. I wish we'd even have recorded it. I remember thinking that I should get my microphone. <laughs> But you know, some things in the moment are just so, it's just for the two of us. But one thing that I will share that I I told him, which even with all the hard things that I'm dealing with currently, I was like, you know, I'm, I'm so okay if we go to bed tonight and I don't wake up tomorrow. So yeah, one of the things we talked about was death. I was like, I'm just in a moment where I've proven so many things to myself. I've proven that I can start something and pitch that thing, get certain partnerships. I've proven to myself that I can handle the emotions that come with rejection on a career platform, which is something I've always been scared about. But I've allowed myself to feel that rejection, which is something so important, especially when you're doing your own thing, man. Like when you're an employee, you're kind of like shielded from a lot of rejections the overall company goes through. But when you're by yourself, pushing something that you have created by yourself, rejection can be quite heavy. It can almost break you. So I've allowed myself to feel and allowed myself in this moment to be human. One other thing I'm so proud of doing is that I've really started loving my body again, which has taken me years to do. Years. Oh my God, I can't even... Over 10 years. Oh my God, yes, it's over 10 years. Oh, it's over 10 fucking years. So I've allowed myself to just fall in love with my body. Open this doors into like my sexual life as a sexual being and celebrate that and get to know that. And to you, that might sound like such a strange thing to say, but I feel like when you survive sexual trauma, hey, repackaging that part of your life is just not even repackaging, putting it back together. It's just hectic on steroids. So I was just like, and I'm at a point where the creative weirdo in me is so alive. Wow. That weirdo who was there when I was 20 and then I spent my 20s trying to like shut that side of my life down because it just felt like it wasn't normal. It didn't belong. Now that part 
is like steering the entire ship and i'm just like this is so beautiful so i was like i i think even if i died of course i would miss people i of course i don't want to die just yet because i'm like i i really just want to keep experiencing this beautiful space i'm in but on a large part i'd be okay with it and then you know we remembered having a conversation like this back when i was in my previous job and i hated my job and i kept telling fall i would be like you know what really hurts me is that if i died today while i'm still at this job i will feel so guilty i don't know if you uh you feel things in the afterlife but i will feel so guilty because i feel like i'll have wasted my life yeah so anyway we're having that conversation and the reason i'm sharing is just i don't know where you're at i don't know what challenges you're you're going through or what you're trying to rebuild or heal from but what I can share is being intentional about that healing. Like it doesn't happen by mistake. You have to be intentional. And then on top of being intentional, it's repetition. Repeating and repeating whatever it is that you must do to bring about this healing. You have to repeat it sometimes on a daily basis. But the results are just beautiful. Okay, away from that sermon. <laughs> <laughs> let's go into the song of the week oh my word i really love the song because the lyrics are basically like affirmations it's called speak life it's by damien marley please listen to it and keenly the good thing about it is the beat is not dramatic you're actually forced to listen to the lyrics and i think that kind of happens with every damien marley song <laughs> so listen to the lyrics ah the link to the song is in the description of this episode. Please do check it out. So I want us to jump into 100 African stories. Our storyteller is Kagwe Mungai, who is from right here in Kenya. I met him back when I was working at 1FM, which was like the first main radio station I ever worked at. And his cousin Nyags, oh my God, big shout out to Nyags. We were really good friends then. She's one who introduced me to his music. At that time, I do not think he was in the country, but then he came to the country and through her, we organized to have him on my show. And the interview was so refreshing. His sound was so refreshing, I thought. Over the years, we've had many interviews back when I was regular on YouTube. <laughs> With my YouTube videos, he's been a guest on two YouTube videos, actually. The first one I ever did when I started a YouTube series called Adele on the Loose, and we were learning a dance routine to one of his songs. Oh my God, Kagwe, we really go far. <laughs> we go way back. There was that one. And then there was another one where we went in quotes on a date. So we were like, went to this place in Limuru, which is here in Kenya, a tea farm. And it was a YouTube episode where we were trying to explore whether that would be a nice first date location. Oh my God. Yes. And there was like a whole car scene. I'm going to look for that video. <laughs> <laughs> Those were good times. Anyway, when I was at Kiss FM doing the breakfast show, he's been a guest, yes, but he was also once a celebrity co-host for the show. But the reason I'm saying that we've had all of this contact is I never knew any of the things that he shares in this story. So this is a testament to traditional radio being a space where you don't have enough time to ask the human questions, just the way it's set up. And you really are pushed to look for the frivolous performative stuff. And so this was the first time sitting down with with Kagwe for this recording where I got to know so much about him. I really hope you enjoyed this story. A hundred African stories on Legally Clueless. Stories from Africa. 
I'm from Nairobi, Kenya. What do I do? I think if I were to put that in a sentence, I make dope shit. I think creatively it's always been an outlet. When I was a kid, I never really saw it as like a career choice. It was always just like an outlet, whether that was just like sketching in class, as you know, most kids did, I think. At least my friends did, you know. <laughs> my friends were, and I were sketching in class. Break time, people just like beatboxing on the tables, you know, those like, like, you know, those kind of things. Like, I remember going for Christmases with my cousins and we'd all like make plays for like our parents and for like the grandparents. And then we'd put a whole production, we'd go like set up, we rehearse everything. We get props, we get glasses, we pretend, me, I'm sure sure today, you, Uncle Nani, okay, you be, and then remember the time when they were fighting? Yeah, that's what we're doing today. Okay, everyone places, action, go. And like, we would direct these entire productions just like for our families to just like enjoy. And so it was always just like an outlet. I went to, okay, I moved schools a lot. <laughs> Not because I was a bad kid. I was actually a really, really good kid. I think over time I made her become a worse person. No, I'm joking. I think I was, I was a really good kid. I went to St. Christopher's first, and then I went to Riara. And then from Riara, I moved to Rusinga for like a month. Then my mom got transferred to SA, South Africa. So then we moved to Joburg. Uh, I did a little bit more of like my primary school there at a school called St. Peter's. We were there for about two years or so, moved back to Nairobi, went back to Rusinga, did a couple of years in Rusinga, and then went to Brookhouse, which is where I finished like my secondary. I went to like schools like Rusinga and Riara. At the time, I, I wasn't seeing like the highest of the highest life and the best of the bestest, but like it was good, right? I was definitely in a privileged school, but still in, in like very a Kenyan I guess setting I would imagine then transitioning from that to going because now my mom my mom was working for Coca-Cola and Coca-Cola really treats like their employees really 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 well and they um also like gave her like a great um options for schools and all of that so this particular school that I went to to enroll in this school people would like you have to get waitlisted when you're expecting your child and that's to be put in line right and so me I've come I'm this kid from Kenya blah 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 I'm just like thrown into the school and already this this just like shock value because number one i'm the only black kid in like the entire school right it's a, like a super white preppy school it's also the first time where like i felt different right i think just coming from Kenya, you feel normal all the time you're a kid but like i felt different i felt like my accent sounded different and i think i think it's called code switching i think that's the first time i ever experienced like code switching for myself so code switching is a thing that's i think quite popular in western countries if you are like from say african descent where you feel like you need to change the way you pronounce certain things or even the way you like say your name so that like other people can understand a little bit better right so like technically my name is Kagwe that's how you should say my name but then so that other people can say it I'll be like my name is Kagwe so in shags it'd be like Kagwe no shell <laughs> who this man I don't know who that is you know and so I remember finding it really weird because my my white friends would come home and I'd kind of like developed this weird white South African accent, right? Okay. It's very strange. So you're like, yo, guys, you know, uh, my mom's over at the house. So let's just uh, go to the kitchen, yeah? And then we can get some food and then go and play outside, yeah? Yeah, okay, Oaks, Oaks. And then mom, mom, listen, eh? the guys, we are coming inside. So just 
And I'd have such a hard time switching and sometimes I'd talk to the wrong person in the wrong accent. It was definitely an, my first experience of like different, being different, but also understanding that different is good and it's okay. I remember I think I was the only foreigner in the school, the only black kid in the school. And we were learning Afrikaans as one of the languages. And I remember I got an award for best foreign speaker of Africans. I was like, guys, you really just wanted to give the black guy an award. I was like, you know what, I'll take it. I'll take it. I'm going to put it on my CV. Yeah. You check my CV today, it's still there. <laughs> Best foreign speaking Africans. I know zero Africans today, um, but I have the plaques to prove it. So I'm good. So the interesting thing is like, because when we were in Kenya before we moved to SA, my closest friends and today my still my closest friends have been my cousins, right? Just because when we were kids, our parents would hang out together and we're all born around the same time. So we're all about the same age. And so if it was like somebody's birthday or just like, one parent was working late. Let's just send this one to Nani's house for the weekend. Have a trip to, I'm going to to which country? So like, let's send them all to this house. So we'd be interacting all the time. Some of us went to the same schools. And so even before we left, we were such a tight-knit group as cousins. And so we kept in touch a little bit, you know, over the phone when you could make calls and things like that on the landlines. But I still had friends in high school. But I think when I left, I had made such good friends there. That was probably the first time that I understood that like people come and go in your life, right? And like at that point, there was no Facebook. You know, there was hardly like ways that we could communicate and things like that. So going back, I mean, I remember thinking my friends are my cousins. So I know I have those guys. And also I'd moved like different schools when I came back. When I went back to Rosinga, like the class had changed. The people that I left that were there were not there. So it was like a new school again. I remember my older brother loved, loved SA. He wanted to stay for as long as possible. From the day I landed, I wanted to go home. I always knew I wanted to go home. I didn't want to be there. It was nice. We had like nice times and like there was like a lot of fun things to do. But I was like, this is not my home. I don't want to be here. When are we going back? So from Brusinga, then like now uh, my mom got transferred again. So this time she got transferred to Kampala, Uganda. At the time, um, she was she gave us the option. Do you want to like go to school in Uganda? Or do you want to go to boarding school in Kenya? So you either go to day school in Uganda or you go to boarding school in, in Kenya. We went and looked at some schools in Uganda, checked out the vibe. I was like, nah, it's not for me. I remember I went to like one of the schools and I'm not hating. I know it's a very good school, yeah. but at the time I'd never heard of it. And I was just like coming from at this point where I was like, now we have options and we're trying to think about like the future. Where do I want to like graduate from like high school so that I can get a, like a good elevation point to go to like university and get get a good degree and blah 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 and there was a school called Rainbow right and I was just like who is gonna take me seriously if I'm applying from Rainbow and like it's a great school it's a great great school they produce a lot of great students I have some friends who are from Rainbow that have done really really well in life but at the time I was like what is that school called Rainbow I was like Z nah not happening but I had heard um, from a friend of mine that if you go to Brookhouse and you choose music as a subject, at the point when you start choosing subjects, you get to make beats as like a lesson. Like that's what you do in class. You go, like just go and do fruity loops and just make beats. I was like, what? Because I was coming from a system where it was like semi-quaver, quaver, G-clef, no, everybody, again, one, two, pa, 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 okay? Again, no, this wrong, kagwe, get out, yeah? And I was like, I hate music. But I, at the time, I, I was, like, experimenting with making beats. We'd all watched 8 Mile at the time, and, like, people used to freestyle outside of class. Stupid, like, rap battles. But, like, I guess the bug stuck with me, right? And I was just like, oh, my God, this, like, music and making beats and rap, it, like, it makes sense to me. I really like this, at least as 
for fun. So when I had Brookhouse, I had this program where they have just like production as a class. I was like, oh my God, I just have to go and produce and I can get an A. So I joined the school and the first thing I got was like a bunch of G clips and quavers and time signature, all of that. I remember being handed like stacks and stacks of theory books. Like before you can touch any computer, you must understand all of these things. And I was just like, fuck, these guys lied to me. These guys lied to me. Rainbow. <laughs> I actually really had a hard time in the, in the school because I felt, I, I guess my expectations were different. I mean, cause we went and did that like a tour. So I went to Brookhouse and it was like, wow. And this is before the castle and everything, you know, like it was like, wow actual grass a full field and a basketball court that's like what mad they had a great art program which i was really excited about they had um they were really focused on the arts in general and extracurriculars which was fantastic then they showed us the boarding house and they showed us this room that had like marble in the in the in the bathroom yeah. they show you the nice parts that are not for you right so ask i saw this dope room i remember with my mom and i was like this is better than my room at home what this is amazing when i went in there it was not my room those rooms were reserved for year 13s which is like the most senior at that point i'm in year nine right so i have like three or like four more years before i get there the actual room that i was staying in had like four other people in it there was like i think the cupboard was hanging out of the door like it was just like i'm just to open like a tap to just like shower from you know like it felt like a lie like i've been really sold a lie so i had i was like for a long time i really had a i guess a hard time adjusting and also because my mom it had always been my mom my brother and myself for the first time i was alone right i wasn't sharing at school with my brother or seeing my mom every day and I was also like protective over her so I was concerned like is she okay she's also in a new place I used to envy those kids that get to go home I was just like you guys don't even know how good you have it I have to go and sit in this room with five other people and just like smell their dirty socks and I'm a really like hygiene and like cleanliness I'm really about it like it's very important to me and just like boys are boys you know what I mean like yeah it's only boys you're not hiding guys are throwing their underwears wherever they want to you know just like uh, again, one of the things I had before I joined Brookhouse is that, yo, when you join, huh, you know, like it's like initiation. So they'll take you to the bathroom, they'll strip you and then they'll beat you with belts and chains. I was like, the fuck? What is that? No, 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 no. First of all, by that point, I already knew I'm not a fighter. Yeah, this is not who I am, right? I'm not, I'm not the guy who's going to try and fight guys, but I'm also not going to take a beating for nothing. I also learned how to like, I think as a last born at the time, I found like very unique ways to avoid beatings. And so I remember thinking this is prison rules, right? So you either fight the biggest guy or you make the biggest guy your friend. So I was like, figure out who this guy is and how to become his friend. Yeah. So I remember one time I was sitting in my room after preps and just like down and everything. And I was listening to uh, Biggie on like my Walkman or Discman or something. This guy who was like the first body. This guy was 16 or 15. Yeah, 15. 15. But he used to bully like the oldest class guys who are like 18 19 he used to bully a 15 year old bullying 19 year olds right it's it was the craziest thing to me i was like cool this is the guy so i'm chilling there and he comes into my room almost budges in like it's his right boom 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 hey what are you listening to so i look at him and i'm just like okay play the school play the school it's either a fight or a friendship so i'm like i'm listening to biggie he's like biggie for real it's like, I love Biggie. But it's like, but who's better, Biggie or Pac? And I'm just like, Biggie. Then he's like, no, Pac's better, right? So we start having this debate. He goes to his room. He brings me his CDs. He's like, no, have you heard this song? Remember and hit him up when he was like, Robert, no. Then he connects his and like, we're listening. And like, we're just like vibing out and just like bonding through music, right? And at some point, I'm like, okay, 
this guy is really starting to fuck with me. So let me trap that. He's, he's in. Yeah, I just need to like lock him in for forever and for good. So I was like, oh, you know, I have like Maryland cookies in my bag. And he was like, what? Because like, obviously those things are like currency in boarding now, right? Still, even in like a school like Brookhouse, it's like, what? You have Maryland if you're a boarder? Like, yeah, like, bro, hook it up. So I was like, cool. So I gave him some. So we go through like a package together and I'm like, do you want some more cookies? He's like, for real? I'm like, yeah, of course. I'm like, yeah, you're my homie, bro. Like, I, I got you. He's like, you know what? I told him, you know what? I'll even give you the packet. He's like, bro, that's so, you're so kind. Thank you, man. Like, I really, I was like, but on one condition. He's like, what? Anything, say. And I was like, for the rest of the time that I will be in this school, if I'm ever in any kind of trouble, you have to have my back. He was like, what? Because already there was such a big culture there of like hazing a little bit, right? And he was like, nah, nah, nah. So I was like, so I start opening the packet. Like, okay, cool. If you're, if, I guess if you don't want, then I'll just eat them myself. He's like, wait, 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 wait. And he tells me, I'll have your back every day for the rest of your life in this school, except for your birthdays. So I did the math. I was like, mm, one time a year, I can hack. I can't hack. But like, yeah, because I was going to spend most of my time in that school, right? Yeah. Boarding. So it's like, cool. Agreed. We shook on it. I gave him the Maryland cookies. And then I had a bodyguard. Oh my God. That's where I learned business. <laughs> and I remember we'd be like chilling outside and all of the new kids, guys would be like, ah, this guy's a new guy. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Let's jake him. So jaking yeah. is like when you grab somebody by their pants or underwear and like it's like a wedgie, but like a lot more aggressive and involving maybe five boys at one time, right? And they like people take it far, they make you write your name on like a ceiling or something. Just like it's whatever. So these guys are like, ah, see this cargo guy is new. Let's jake him. Let's jake him. Let's jake him. And Jonathan is just there like reading a book. He's just like, nah, leave him alone. And you guys are like, what? What do you mean leave him alone? He's a he's the new kid. Let's jake him. And they all go, right? Like like pick me up and Jonathan stands up, pushes one guy, grabs him by like the collar, boom. Slaps him against the wall. He said, I said, don't touch Kagwe. Guys are like, whoa. And like guys laid off, right? And it was just like known. People don't fuck with Kagwe. It's just like, so guys knew that my birthdays were the only days that they had access. So I remember the first birthday that I had there. I remember walking through school and so many people that I didn't even know knew that it was my birthday. Just like walking around. People are like, happy birthday, Kagwe. Happy birthday, Kagwe. And doing like neck slitting like gestures with like their thumb you know and you like drag your thumb across your neck like i'm gonna kill you today like even little kids kids that were younger than me like kagwe today and they're just like it's on you're dead you're dead today and it was like a big thing like birthdays especially i remember even girls used to be tied like to chairs and they would pour like rubbish from like the collective rubbish of the school they dump it on the girl they throw eggs at her like, it was just like, I don't know, a weird, crazy, fun activity we used to do in the school, right? And like, if it's your birthday, we must make you suffer. So my birthday came and I knew during the day, no one is really going to like get me because like teachers. Cool. So my aim was just like, stay around like public general areas where teachers can see you, right? Again, I learned how to avoid beatings and things in my life. I'm not a fighter, but I can, I, I, I know how to dodge a punch. And then I also had allies, right? So my allies were the older babes because older babes for some reason were just like really got along with me and yeah. they were just like yeah this guy is like a cute young boy whatever yeah we like this guy he's you know he's entertaining whatever he does like his music things you know like yeah he's dope he tells us nice stories one of those chicks was like uh supervising our prep so i told her look you know today's my birthday these guys want blood so i'm gonna need you to let me go out of prep like 
five minutes earlier. She's like, I'll give you three minutes because guys know. It's like, fine, I'll take the three minutes. So I organized with my roommate. I was like, bro, I need your help. Please, 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 please. Yeah. What we're going to do is I'm going to leave three minutes early from prep. I'm going to go straight to the room. I'm going to enter your locker so they don't think that like I'm inside my own locker. Close the doors. I'll leave the padlock somewhere on the side so that when you come after prep, you just lock it. That's all you have to do. And then I'll have my phone on me and I'll call you when it's time to open. He was like, cool, cool, cool. The chick let me go early, sprinted. I just remember hearing chaos behind me. Where are you? Let him go. Where are you guy? But I just ran. I didn't look back. I ran. I ran. I got to the room, put the door thing. My friend Michael, my roommate Michael came, he locked it. I was safe. And at this point, I'm just like playing the waiting game. Because like between... When preps end and when it's like lights out, it was like maybe like an hour or something like that. So at that point, I'm just hearing the chaos outside. People are looking and like a lot of people are looking, right? Where is Kagwe? Where is Kagwe? Have you seen Kagwe? Is he here? No, no, no. See, this is his room. Yeah. Where is he? See, he's not here. I haven't seen him. I saw him running after prep. I don't know where he went. I'm just hearing everything, right? I just have my phone on me just like waiting, waiting, waiting. I've put it on silent everything. I'm just waiting. Nights like lights out. No one has seen me. No one has found me. Even teachers are now looking for me because I, like, I can't I can't involve teachers just yet because then it'll become dangerous. Yeah. And I could even see like my foot, my basketball coach calling my phone like where texting where are you, yeah. where are you, where are you? And I was like nah this guy's in on it. Trust <laughs> no one except your allies. I only knew Michael and the chick from Priv. So eventually I tell Michael open for me. I think it's good. The coast is clear. He's like dope. Opens. I sneak out quickly enter inside my bed and then one of my other roommates is like, he's here, he's here. <laughs> so the lights go on, other guys from other rooms come in and it's just like guys surrounding me and I'm like, fuck, 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 fuck. <laughs> then the teacher comes, the teacher on duty comes and he's like, what the hell is going on in here? Guys are like, it's Kago, we found him, he was hiding. Remember when we were looking for him? He was hiding. The teacher looks at me, he's like, looks around. So you guys have five minutes, switches off the lights, boom. Wow, 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 wow. <laughs> I was beaten. I was beaten. So I finished high school. Now, like, I've applied to unis and everything. Um, and I'm looking for a place to go. Largely, when you're in a British, British system school, they guide you towards the UK. Also, my mom was just like, you are never going to America. At some point, I realized I wanted to study music. So I got into uni in the UK now, in Southampton. So I chose Southampton. Also, it had a combination of the two, um, which was music and management sciences. Um, because my mom insisted, if you're going to do music... There better be something else that comes with that degree, even if it's another degree. Very white town. Again, super, super white town. Um, I remember I met one Nigerian guy on the street and he was just like, I counted us. We're 22. <laughs> Out of 30,000 students in this entire populace, we're 22 of us. We must remain together. In my class, I was the only, not even just my, my class, my entire department i was the only black kid in my in my department it was also the first time that i really began to appreciate my name because for a long time i was like my name is so difficult to say people have such a hard time in essay like the teacher used to call me Kahwe. in kenya it was also a little bit difficult not the most popular kenyan name you know and then now going to the uk it was just like oh my god something else yeah and then going into class being like the only black kid there and i remember one lecture the lecturer going how many of you it was a music business class I was like, how many of you want to be practicing artists, putting out albums and singles as a living? And like 90% of the class puts their hands up. And he looks around, he walks around. I think he even looked me in the eyes. He said it. He was like, 1% of you are going to make it. The rest of you, 
will change careers, go into like maybe advertising. Some of you will teach, but most of you will not make it in this career. It's just like, I'm just being honest with you. It's tough. And I was just like, what? He's not talking about me. First of all, my mom has worked way too hard. I've worked way too hard to like have gotten to this point so I can just go back and like have it have been for nothing. And then from there, I just really started just like pushing, 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 pushing. I remember we weren't allowed to use the, the studio as first years, but because I had so much experience with like production when I was in high school, I was teaching like third years in like exchange for the studio time because those are the only people that could use the studio. So I'd teach them how to use the software. This is how you produce. This is how you produce. But then they'd be like, okay, cool. I'll let you stay in for an extra two hours and then you know, then you can go home. So at that point I was producing beats. I hadn't learned how to record yet, mm -hmm. but that kind of access to the studio is what gave me now like the knowledge and the practice to be able to learn how to record as well. Mm -hmm. You know, like recording instruments, everything from like grand pianos to choirs, mm -hmm. to bands, to just like a regular vocal. And I would stay in there like for hours and hours and hours. I remember if you didn't leave at like 7 p.m., you had to be there all night until about 7 a.m. So I would like go with snacks and things like that. And just like, I'm, I'm in for the long haul, you know? And just like, yeah, my Maryland cookies on deck. <laughs> So I ran for Isaac, Isaac Southampton. Well, I got into Isaac because of a girl, right? Let's just start there. So I was, I was on campus and these guys were around going hand around flyers, like yeah. join our clubs, join our clubs, join our clubs, join our clubs. And this like one really pretty girl comes and she's just like, hi, have you heard of Isaac? I'm like, no, but tell me everything about it. I'm in, just like, tell me what you need. Yeah. So she tells me, she's like, yeah, it's this thing about like international, blah, blah, blah. And I, I barely heard what she said, yeah. I was like, when? Today, I'm coming, yeah? First meeting today, I'll be there. So I guess for people who don't know, ISEC is like one of the largest student-run organizations and they kind of just promote uh, cross-cultural exchange. They do that through internship programs and work abroad programs. Again, at the time, barely understood what that meant, yeah? But I was like, this chick is there. She's hot as hell. I need to see her more. So I start going for these meetings and it's like, cool. And then she's like, Kago, you should really come. We're going for this conference. And I was like, okay, I'll be there, right? I felt like I was entering, I don't know if anyone has, like the first time you go for like an ISEC conference, it's like a, it's like a cult. Yeah, it's like a cult initiation. You walk in, people are on chairs, they are dancing. You think you're going to like a conference about cultural exchange, yeah? And it's supposed to be like, you know, dialogues and like speeches. Nah, nah, I remember... They were playing that Will I Am song that goes tonight's gonna be uh, for like the entire conference, right? And they have these dances that they make you learn. And like there's one of them where you have to go down on your knees and put your hands up. And I was like, Z, I'm not doing this. I'm not doing this. And then I looked at that babe and I was like, fine. <laughs> Aight. <laughs> How low? <laughs> Do you want me to prostrate all the way down? Yeah, my face on the floor. Cool, I got you. Let me come and do that next to you. <laughs> and then I started to enjoy it. You know, um, the cult, I guess it, it worked. The, the initiation, it worked. Like by the time we were leaving the conference, we were all just so like amped. It was great. So I did that for like a year. That was my first year, second year. And then on in third year, um, before this chick left, she was like, you know, because she was, I think, a year ahead of me. She's like, you know, I think you'd be great for president. I think you should run for president. And like, again, I was never interested in any of these things, but I was like, you know what? You're probably right. This, this is for you. I'm going to do this for you. So I ran for president. I got it. I was the first black president in Southampton, which was cool, which was also around the same time that Obama was president. And I put a bit of like Kenya in there. I started adding like Unbogable to like the songs that we would dance to in the things. <laughs> I had to leave the mark. <laughs> so now... 
from leaving now, now uni after like graduating and everything, resigned from my post because then you could also, I guess, try and work for Isaac International or Isaac UK from there, which is what a lot of like people in that presidential role would do. And so at that point it was like, do I go and work for Isaac or do I go back home to Kenya? Um, so I could have like looked at like London as an option for like work or go back to Nairobi and try and do this music thing. I don't remember what the thing was. I think it was always the same, like, I guess, feeling that I had when I was in SA of, like, this is not home. I came here for a short time. I'm going home. And I guess that, that made the decision a little bit easier. Yeah, I came back and I remember I was emailing a bunch of different people about just, like, getting involved in concerts, any kind of just, like, work that I could do around music, whether it was just, like, even, like, teaching somewhere or, like, just any kind of gig I could get. One of the people I e emailed was uh, Modoni Drama Queen. I'd never met them in my life. Never. I just I just found their emails. I was just like Googling them. I'd research this person's Modoni drama queen email. Right? Go find her like Facebook, whatever, DM her, message her on like whatever. And just like, hi, 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 hi. My CV. This is what I've done. This is what I dream. I had also had a, a project out, which was helpful, that my cousin, Nyags, and like my, my cousins again and everything, were, again, like the people who were like holding it down for me. Um, I remember one of my other cousins would go around to different radio stations just like with a CD. Hey, here's his music. He's coming. He's coming. He's coming. I'm telling you, he's coming. Here's his CD. Bro, don't. He's coming. He's coming this summer. Um, and so the idea was like when you come back, the strategy is drum up support. Create it whichever way you can. So again, using my cousins as my, as my tool and my team would go to the club with my cousins and we'd have like the song on a flash. Cousins are pretty girls. They'd go up to the DJ be like, hey, they like stroke their hair back. Um, do you have that song? What's his name? What's that guy's name? Ka, ka something, Kagwe, Kagwe, yes, Kagwe, do you have it? It's like Oleku, yeah, like the Oleku and do you have it? It's so good. The guy obviously doesn't have it. He's like, no, I don't have it. They're like, okay, let me go check. I think my friend has it in the car. That time the flash is in the handbag, yeah? And they go and they come back. They're like, oh my God, we found it. We found it. We didn't think we we're going to get it, but we finally found it. Please, you have to play it twice, just, just once. When the guy plays it, all of my cousins go crazy, right? So we're in the club, multiple clubs. My friends, my cousin's friends are there. So it's like networks are now coming together in support of this one song and the dj is seeing this and he's just like yo this is dope and maybe the song even wasn't like that fire right but he's just like oh my god what is this reaction so that started going around i started getting a few more little gigs here and there i remember at some point i was really calling people trying to book because i didn't have management and i would call and i'd be like hi my name is kagwe i'm an artist can i please play at your festival i have this body of work you guys were like no or will let you know and then they don't let you know and then like it was I was getting nothing then one day I, I think I was just in the middle of frustration I called and it was ringing it was ringing I was just like this is probably not gonna go well it's just gonna be another dull dead thing and then the person picked up and she was like hello hello and then I swear I don't know where it came from but I was like hello my name is David I'm calling you from the Kagamugai company and now I'm his manager and Kago is quite a well-traveled artist we've got quite a, a number of artists within our umbrella but Kago is who we're pushing right now and we would love for him to feature at your festival what, what we could do is I'll send you an email, right? My name's David. Get that right, David. Yeah, and then uh, we'll pick this conversation up later. Is that all right? And they're like, yeah, that sounds great. Yes, absolutely. We would love to have him. I was like, what? That worked. I remember being going out one time. Somebody being like, I spoke to David. We're gonna book you. Blah blah blah. I was like, David. Oh yes, David. David. Yeah. <laughs> He's traveled. He traveled. That's my guy, Salah. But, you know, he's gone back to the UK. He's coming back in a few months. But I'll give you my number. Then we can just vibe. So David became a thing. David was my manager. <laughs> um, I think I'd been trying to, like, 
do a bunch of different songs at some like I'd maybe shot maybe one or two videos but videos are expensive especially when you don't have income and like life was happening I was getting a little bit older and I was just like I can't I need to make a decision here this thing isn't paying bills it's not it's not helping anyone including me so like maybe we need to change strategy right um so we're not like giving up on the music but like we definitely have to now find a job i went and like interviewed at different places different like finance companies like different marketing companies and i got a job at uh, an advertising agency so i went to day one and i'm sitting there i'm like supposed to be getting a debrief from my boss and i'm sitting down in his office like on the other side of the table waiting for him to walk into the room and there's this voice in my head that's just like r- shouting get out get out I'm like what this is stupid anyway ignore that voice it's just fear it's fear that's fear that's what it's just fear chill you're good this is what you wanted like i had signed a contract at this point right just hearing this voice get out so the guy comes in he's talking to me i'm hearing nothing all i'm hearing is get out get out get out get out and i was just i stopped the guy as he was talking and i was just like i'm so sorry this is going to sound ludicrous batshit crazy but i need to resign and he was like what you haven't been in here more than 10 minutes what do you mean you need to resign i was like just telling about your role is that something that i said like did some someone do anything i can't even explain it it has nothing to do with you but i can't be here and i was like he looked at me he was like i mean that's uh, did you know this before you were coming today like i was like yeah i'm sorry like i wasted your time but he's like well we don't owe you any money so i guess you can go so i left and remember i like, went down the elevator and then reality hit me and i was like what the fuck did i just do what did i just i just listened to a voice in my head that's insane that's not something normal people do where's the logic behind that Where's the money coming from now? Where? Where you've been interviewing for four months? Where are you going to get another job now? What are you doing? Go back. Go back and beg. Go back and cry and beg, yeah? yeah. Cry and beg. I think that's the best strategy. Go back, cry and beg. Okay. Go sit in the car for a second. So I went and I sat like I'd bored my cousin's car to go for the interview. So I sat in the car and I was like, what have I done? What have I done? So I turned on the radio and I swear to god, someone was just I can't remember who it was or that was on the radio. It was probably even you. <laughs> So it's just like what's up my name is Adele and coming up the next song is I think it was I can't remember which song it was a TKK by with my tracks old song that I did like it's like and it just started like as soon as I turned on the radio and I was like whoa first of all like airplay wasn't that crazy for me back then so I was like okay this is is that voice like is this the voice the same show yourself yes lord it is if that's you um and I was like okay cool this is nice but again still I don't have a job right <laughs> So I'm like this is crazy. This is still crazy. So I as I'm driving home, I got a phone call from Eric Wainaina. Eric and I actually had like a little bit of like a past before. So when we were living in South Africa, one of my mom's friends knew Eric, right? And so Eric actually came to our place with Sheba, his wife, and they actually spent like a couple of nights there. I remember Eric slept in like my bedroom. I had to go and like sleep with my in my brother's room. So um Eric and Sheba had stayed there and we like we kind of talked and he told me about music. At that point I wasn't really like interested in pursuing it. He was just like a celeb in our house. Um and then so he calls. He's just like, "Hey, I heard that you've been doing like some production stuff. Are you keen on like producing at my studio?" And I was like, "Yeah. Yeah." Like is it I was like, "Is it a job? Like is there a salary?" He's like, "Yeah, yeah, we'll pay you." It's like when do you want me to start can you come tomorrow i was like i'll be there first thing i was like oh my god that voice was right that's insane and i guess 
from there, not to say that there weren't like ups and downs after that, there continue to be ups and downs. But I think um, that was the point when I was just like, I'm not going back. I don't even know if I was like that spiritually aware of what was happening. I just, I, I did a crazy thing, to be very honest. Like I did a super crazy thing. I just listened to a, a voice in my head. Working with Eric was just like one of the things that really gave me insight into also being like producing. Yes, it de- de- definitely developed my production work because I was I was the engineer there. And so... Eric would come with like song ideas and different artists all the time, both like really like young and developing artists to like extremely established artists. So I got a lot of access to people through Eric Oinaina. But like he'd also teach me how to like songwrite. And I guess just like from being in the room in some of those sessions, when you're supposed to be quiet, right? That's your job. You just like press record, manage the sound, make sure it's clean, but you're not contributing in that kind of way. I think that opened me up to quite a few people like I remember Modoni then came to the studio at that point and we started like now recording some music and then she put me on like her album um, on the Game Changers song I got an opportunity to be in this show Maisha Magic Superstar as like a producer of the show which was really cool and then I was also the time when I got, when I got called for Cook Studio as well to produce which was also like amazing you know probably like one of my first biggest paydays I was like you're gonna pay me how much for one week Eight. what time yes <laughs> But it, it, I guess it, it taught me to understand how to be a producer. But like I was also low-key practicing for artistry. There was a point I started to see that like producers really get overlooked. And I felt like I had so much to offer. And when you do offer it, then it's just like, shut up, you know nothing, you're a producer. And no one ever said those words to me. But like there was that energy a lot of the time, right? Like, you're a producer be a producer and again what happens when you tell me that i can't do something we must prove you wrong and so i would hear that a lot and i only actually realized it during covid this year that it's something that i'd I'd been doing and I, i limited myself from producing for a lot of people because i was trying to prove to people that i'm an artist um because people would say things like like you're a great artist i really like your music but your production is insane and to me i would hear that as stop being an artist stick to producing you don't know what you're doing and so every time i would hear that i'd be like fine you want me to produce i'll produce nothing for nobody ever again no one will ever see my production you'll only see my artistry until you love it yeah i'm going to force this down your throat until you love it and to i guess an extent it kind of like worked but i also realized in retrospect that I did a disservice to myself by letting my ego step in at that point now that i'm aware of it because now now i'm making music and art and all of these things for myself now i think i can appreciate it more you know like now i don't have to put myself in a particular box to prove others wrong you know like i know for myself i know that i'm a great producer i know i'm a great creative i know i'm a great songwriter i know i'm a great entrepreneur you know all of these things i know for myself and it's not about proving anyone wrong so it's just about doing them when i was a kid i was a little bit chubby and i looked just like my mom so I looked like a fat little girl. It was it was really bad. Most people couldn't tell I was a boy. Could not. They could not tell I was a boy, right? Um, I'd go places, people would ask me, why did you let mommy cut your hair? And my mom's behind me like whispering, he's a boy, he's a boy. I remember like even going to like in high school, we're like in the line for the cinema at Village Market and we're all excited. But then it's like boys on this side, girls on this side. So I'm there with my homies. Your crush is in the other line. I get to the front and the guys like go to the other line. I had cornrows also at the time to make it worse. It was the fashion of the time. We were wearing we had cornrows in these baggy ass clothes. Anyway, so these guys like go to the other line and I'm like, uh, I have to act hard because my friends are around, right? I'm like, bro, either search me or move. And he looks at me and he's just like, this line is for boys. This line is for girls. Go to the other line. 
and the entire class is like, oh my goodness. Right, and I have to be there with that, like bring down my that ego that I was naming before. And I'm like, I'm a boy. He's like, what? I'm a, I'm a boy. He's like, oh, 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 so, oh, sorry, sorry, sorry. And just like barely pats me because he's just like, I don't know what I'll touch. I don't, I don't know. I don't know what I'll find if I touch. Okay, cool, cool. So I guess like having them growing a beard and all of that, I was just like so excited. Manhood. Yes, now they'll know forever. <laughs> so never shaved my beard since it started growing. This has been the policy. On a serious note to what you were actually asking, which was like, I think the identity and it's been interesting. Like to most Kenyans, when like I would speak and I'd come back and they're like, I'm saying, Barbie, like, where are you from? Your accent is all off, bro. I don't know. I don't know where the hell you're from, but you're not Kenyan, right? Yeah. And then I go outside and it's like, you're not from here. You're Kenyan, right? And so I always felt like a disconnect mm. in that kind of a thing. And even in my music, the sound that I've, I was making from the beginning was never like the traditional Kenyan sound. It wasn't Genge. It wasn't Kapuka. There was a lot of like SA influence. There was a lot of UK influence, some UG influence. And that came out very clearly in like a very concise way, right? In a very cohesive way, but it still wasn't something that people were familiar with. And so I remember one of the comments I would get early on is like, this sounds dope, but it doesn't sound Kenyan. And I was like, is that a compliment? Or what does that mean? What, what are you saying? Is, is it, I don't know. But I was like, I took, I took it. I was like, that's a, a good thing, I guess. You know, it sounds different. And I've always wanted to like be different in that kind of way. I like, dare to be different. Yeah, and that whole thing of just like, do I need to speak Swahili in my music to then for it to be Kenyan? Is the fact that I'm Kenyan enough for my song to be Kenyan just because I'm Kenyan? And I guess that's something that I started learning over time. I think this is my theory. I think you're Kenyan by the virtue that you are Kenyan. It doesn't matter whether you've spent your entire life in Kenya or one day in Kenya. You are Kenyan by the virtue that you were born Kenyan. Those other things that happen beyond that is up to you. I think also this year has been great in not for the sense in the sense that like it's been great for introspection and I think one one of the biggest things that I guess became clear in this period was that like that idea of fame fame and celebrity it's a it's like a different animal and like there's no tutorial there's no like no one gives you like so this is what you're gonna expect when you become famous because I felt my life change I felt like life became a little bit harder because there's the expectation of what people think that you are or who people think that you are versus who you are and I think that was for me one of the things as an as an introvert I think I'm an introvert as an introvert earlier on in my career I decided I need to make a separate character that can then be like really strong and I want I defined it for myself I was like he's very confident he's charming he does this and this and this and like he's that kind of guy and blah 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 and he's like a ladies man and this and this and this and so I was like cool that's Kaguizi that character was formed with time I guess I found myself having to just like wear several hats just like okay one day I'm here one day I'm here one day I'm here one day I'm here you can only I guess switch hats for so long right before it starts to like really weigh on you and then at some point you need to decide which hat are you wearing so Kaguizi took like more of like front stage Kago was living a like the real Kagwe life was like also like like still tough right like I'm not, I'm not going to lie to people like you still have to grind hard as hell when you're making music right it's not you have to look for like opportunities in very interesting ways and like just like grind and look for the money and figure it out and so you're your places and you're like a celebrity but you're broke right and so it's just like okay, I don't want to go here because then people will see you know and like blah 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 eventually I realized that I had become like a slave to, to the fame and to like the experience of celebrity where I could no longer do things that I wanted to do the way I wanted to do them. And I realized that that was like not helpful to me in any way. I think now I'm, I think Kago is now back. 
right? Kaguiz, he's, he's done his job. He got us here. There's there's elements of him that I think are still, I think are still dope, especially like on stage. On stage is like different. Building these things for myself, I think I'm able to communicate with a lot more people better. Like for example, on the album, Spectrum, there's songs in there like Boys Don't Cry yeah. and Lost that I wrote for myself. But having shared them with like my friends, they were like, yo, these things need to be on your album because like, it's important that people hear this. And I was like, no, it's too vulnerable. It's too me. I don't think they like that. And my friends were like, no, actually, you definitely need to have this. Um, so Obi um, comes from Nairobi. But I think generally the idea was that like we believe that Nairobi is, is a mood. You know, like I feel like there's such a mood of Nairobi. And when you hear about all these different songs that have been sung about Nairobi by all of these different artists, I feel like there's a consistent theme of just like sunshine and like creativity and just like hustling, the grind. So Obi Africa was uh, something that had been in the works for a while when uh, the record deal ended. We decided to go separate ways. Still very good friends with Taurus Music. Always will be family. Shout out Taurus Music. But decided that it was time to now go into this thing. Got together with a couple of my partners. And we launched earlier this year. Uh, and then like COVID came. Came and did everything to everyone. But in that time, because it was like largely my partners and I, we were, were all largely creative. And just like, so we just like started making and creating. Let's just make stuff in like the time that we have in the day. Curfew is 7 p.m. Nobody else, just the three of us. Let's figure this out. And then just like did that safely without involving too many people. Figuring out like formats for, for TV content. I guess music moving forward. Figuring out like what do we want to do in the event space. And just like brainstorming around different things. How do we want to affect change within the Kenyan and African entertainment scene all across not just music right it's all entertainment everything so then understanding the different wings of how those different things are connected bringing in fashion elements and so like right now we've um, we've got like a couple of series that we've in pre-production running we've got a series that we've just finished uh, doing it's about to launch in November we've got a dope event series as well coming out called booze and brushes that's a paint and sip it's going to be traveling around nairobi offering people paint and sip ex experiences to just like have booze and drink there's uh and paint sorry not like <laughs> yeah there's a kenya tour happening as well yeah i think there's like it's exciting right now there's there's a lot of really really cool moving parts happening and because of that i'm meeting a lot of amazing amazing creatives young young dope kenyans that are so talented that for me is like one of the main things that is like integral about Obi, like we want to make everything with Kenyans, at least as we start. When Obi starts to expand into different African countries, then we want to work with people from those particular countries. When we're in Kampala, we want, then you need to be Kampala and Uganda, you know. When we're in Tanzania, we want that team to be Tanzania and, you know, and all of that. There was a point when I went through like, I don't know, the ups and downs. I think largely it was quite close to depression. I don't know. It was never like diagnosed but it felt like it. Coming out of it was really, really tough, but the thing that I understood that got me out was love and gratitude. Love in the sense of, when you hear a lot of, like, especially biblically, you know, when they talk about, like, love is patient, love is kind, blah, 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 blah. And I think for me, for a long time, I forgot to do that for myself. It's, it's very easy for, for us to remember to do it outwardly, right? To be kind to others, you know, to be patient with others, to be understanding of others. But we're often very critical of ourselves, and it's just like, I'm not here at this time, I haven't done this thing, I fucked up in this way. I didn't, like, you just, like, put so much on yourself and you carry so much, I guess, disappointment for yourself. Love, number one, is just important. Self first and then outwards. I think it's definitely important. Number two is gratitude. Gratitude, I think, in understanding that you're exactly where you're supposed to be. You're exactly where you're supposed to be at all times. Regardless of how shitty it feels or how great it feels, 
you're exactly where you're supposed to be. And so the thing to be in that moment, regardless of what it is, is grateful. Things pan out in a different way. Like as I was leaving that interview, with this guy, I mean, that first day of work, it could have been 10 seconds later I would have missed the song or like 30 seconds later I would have missed the song and then I would have gone back up and groveled and cried and biked for the job back and like we may not be sitting here today but like things happened exactly the way they did for me to sit in that car and hear the song play at exactly the right time. When I was still broke but I was grateful. If I had the gratefulness in that moment, which I think I did, then I could appreciate it for being something more than it already was in its moment. Catch more African stories in the next episode of Legally Clueless. Absolutely enjoyed that story. I feel like I got to know Kagwe on such a deeper level, which will almost change not really change but like make you connect with his music in a different in a different way so first and foremost if you check the description of this podcast you'll find a link to Kagwe's platforms you can check out his music if you've never heard of his music before one of my favorite songs by him is okay currently because <laughs> there are many but currently I've, i really always loved good times which is off his most recent album spectrum just for two reasons one it's such a feel-good song two i bumped it on repeat when i was in the states with my sister stephanie so it always brings good memories and oh my god i'm also on the album so <laughs> He he asked me when he was doing the album to do like a short intro. So if you listen to Miss Obi on the album, you'll hear me do the intro for that song, which is a story for another day because I think I recorded, I didn't have microphones then. This was like before my podcasting stuff. So I do believe I recorded it using my WhatsApp audio note. Way Anyway, check out his music. It's pretty, pretty dope. And listen to the entire album, I would say Spectrum, because there's songs on there that touch on things that not many male musicians talk about, sing about, rap about. I've taken two things. One, you've got to love yourself more. Show yourself love. We're, we really criticize and are so harsh with ourselves. But one person I met once told me that speak to yourself as you would a lover. So she calls herself Sweetie. Like she has pet names for herself. So <laughs> maybe I don't know if you're okay with getting it to that point but like be gentle and kind and loving with yourself and then that whole thing of you're exactly where you need to be it's very grounding in both good and bad times so i really did take a lot from that story speaking of stories if you want to share your story on this podcast it's very simple you record a one minute story demo and send it to oh using whatsapp <laughs> audio note and send it to the legally clueless hotline number which is can't believe i've not memorized it yet oh there we go plus two five four seven six eight six two eight seven nine zero and that's also the number that if you listen to an episode and you're like what i relate to this that or the other you can also like chat me or send audio notes as well good afternoon adele i wanted to share something regarding episode 76 where you were talking about feeling guilty while taking rests when you deserve it. So I'm still a student, still a third year. So I don't have an official job or just any job, any job, I'm still at home. But when Corona started, so that's from March to June, I was like kind of giving myself a lot of pressure and trying to keep up with so many things. Like my friends, you know, I'd see their statuses and IG stories where they're posting their work 
what they're doing at home. Uh, some are writing articles and posting them there, uh, giving links to their photography pages, uh, small businesses like making key holders, beadwork and stuff. It really got into me because I'm also a writer. So I used to like try hard and write something, even post once a week maybe, or sometimes even thrice in a week, at least to get that feedback so that I can see myself like fitting into that a space where I'm not doing nothing at home. Yet normally I'd write like four poems in a week or three articles in a week. But due to that pressure, I'd be like struggling so much. In a day I want to write like 15 poems. Sometimes, sometimes I'm overdoing my work and it wasn't really that nice. In June, I was having a, some sort of like a, a breakdown I couldn't function really well. I was having insomnia, you know, these things catching up to me in plus Corona because you're thinking, oh my God, if I don't do this, people are just going to be way ahead and they're going to utilize their skill. And yeah, here I am doing nothing and stuff. From around uh, the last weeks of July, yeah, that's when I started like getting back into track because now I started giving myself like pauses, you know, allowing myself to slow things down and uh, work with what I have, not try to compete with others because it really gets into me because sometimes you wake up to timelines and uh, stories of so many accomplishments and so many success stories until you're like, yeah, what am I doing? Why am I taking these breaks? do i really deserve them and stuff i really understood what you were talking about and thank you again for sharing first thank you so much for sending through that audio notes and just being so real about the space you were in at the beginning of this year with corona and even now in the things that you battled with i think you've brought up so many issues so many important issues and all I can say is, one, it's so important to protect your energy. If you know you use social media a lot, protect that space. If there's certain accounts of people you know or don't know that make you feel rushed or that you're, you're not achieving a lot in life, mute those motherfuckers. Like, it doesn't mean that you're blocking them or whatever. It's you're protecting your space and you're prioritizing yourself. I have muted so many pages. Sometimes I go onto Instagram, which is the social media platform I'm on the most. And you know, on the timeline, when it refreshes the posts for you, after like four posts, it's like, you're all caught up. I'm like, but I follow 200 people. <laughs> Mute, protect your space. And also this whole social media thing of like, you get the feeling that everybody's busy all the time. And so even in your life, when you're not busy, it's like, what the fuck am I doing with my life? It's such a warped notion. So warped. And man, just remember we're all, <laughs> it's a pandemic. None of us have lived through this shit before. It's so hectic. We don't know what the reaction to this pandemic thing is one minute you're okay with it you're taking the time to introspect and whatever the next minute you're scared when will it end or i know somebody who got it it's collective trauma that we're all going through in real time and we've never been prepared for this so i don't know be gentle with yourself it's it's honestly it's like from kagwe's story just be be very gentle with yourself. Thank you so much for listening to this podcast, for being part of the tribe. Do you remember this podcast plays on Trace Radio in Kenya, 
go to traceradio.co.ke. It plays every Monday, Wednesday, and Friday at 9 a.m. and at 8 p.m. as well. That's it for this episode of Legally Clueless. You can share this podcast with your friends. You can keep it for yourself. I'm not judging. Just make sure you're here next week for the next episode.